Happy Saturday, Mom and Dad. Jake here, your Chief Encouragement Officer from Compete Every Day, and excited to welcome to the show Ellie Nelson today. Ellie is a mental performance coach and consultant that works with youth athletes all the way to corporate executives. She works with IMG Plus Academy, an online training program brought to you by IMG, and she's also one of the speakers and coaches at Limitless Minds. We're going to dive into today the importance of resilience, what resilience actually means and why it was so crucial to Ellie's own athletic and corporate now journey. What are things you can do as a parent to support your athlete in building resilience and why understanding what your values are as an individual and as a family are so vital to having this resilience and continuing to cultivate it. Ellie's going to share a number of ways that we can do that more effectively. And so you're going to get something great out of this episode and a way to start implementing on your very next interaction with your youth. Finally, if you're a parent of an athlete who plays soccer, if you know someone who plays soccer, I want to encourage you to stick around to the show and check out the show notes. Ellie has an upcoming webinar for parents of college athletes heading and playing soccer and getting to that next level. So she's got a ton of great insights in there for you. I hope you'll get signed up. The link is in the show notes, but that's enough from me. Let's kick off this brand new episode of the Raising Competitors podcast. Welcome to Raising Competitors, Mom and Dad, a podcast designed by the team at Compete Every Day to help the parents of athletes learn ways to raise strong, healthy competitors. Throughout every episode, you're going to learn ways to improve your athletes' grit, mentality, gratitude, leadership influence, and help them develop the skills we learn in sports that set us up for success in life. My name's Jake Thompson, Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, keynote speaker and author, but more importantly, your host on the Racing Competitors Podcast, and I'm so incredibly excited you're here. Let's get to work. Ellie, welcome to the Raising Competitors Podcast. Thank you. Very, very happy to be here. I'm excited to dive in. Yes. Uh, as we laugh, we're we're kind of friends who are just now face-to-face meeting, uh, even mm-hmm. though we, we've been connected on social for a while. Before, as we dive in, I know this is a word you're passionate about. And I'm curious how you define resilience. Mm. Oh, I like this. Okay. How I personally define resilience. I, I think it's our ability to be malleable, to meet ourselves where we're at and walk forward bravely Uh, on the spot. I think that's how I would define it for myself based on my own experiences. That's probably not the textbook, uh, but but for me personally, yeah. Malleable. I I like that because when we think a lot of times around mental toughness, we think about grit, we think about resilience, we think about a lot of these phrases, we think about the almost like being cement, at least to the Mm -hmm. outside, you think of being this rock, this pillar that can't be broken, you don't bend, you don't do anything. Mm -hmm. But the word malleable is very different. And that it can be moved, it can adjust some. So tell me where that fits in and why it's so important. Yeah. Well, I think part of that comes from my own experience, honestly, as a player. So I can kind of dive into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's do it. Give some context. So for me, I was born and raised, um, I mean, in Montana, that's not relevant to what I'm talking about, but soccer was my main sport and played from a very young age. And for me personally, like from a young age, confidence was something I really struggled with performing under pressure 
comparing myself to other people. I, I felt like I put the time in, I was practicing. I felt like I had the talent and the skill, but for some reason, when it came down to it, there were just moments where I wasn't performing. And it was only when I got to college and I played soccer in college and I worked with a sports psychologist or mental performance coach. And I started realizing that the best athletes train their brain as much as they do their bodies. And all of a sudden my greatest, what I perceived as weaknesses became my greatest strengths. Now I, I had really worked on that for years and years. And so, I mean, super proud of how far I came with it. Um, it's what, you know, helped me realize that this is the career path that I wanted to go into because I wanted to be able to give back to, to other athletes and to younger athletes who struggled with the same things that I did. Um, but I took my playing career overseas. So I actually played in France and England. And when I got to England, I mean, I was always kind of praised for like my work ethic, for having a great attitude, for being resilient. Um, but when I got to England, I had a lot of problems with my visa and eligibility. And so imagine that you've just picked up, moved to another country where you don't know anybody. You're doing trials with different teams. You sign for a new team and it's this big, exciting chapter. And then weeks in, you're told, well, we're having some problems with your visa. We're not sure if you can play. So right now you're just going to practice. And there's a lot of uncertainty that's going to go into this situation. And so for months, it was back and forth between, oh, you can play, suit up for the game. Oh, wait, no, now you can't. It was back and forth and back and forth because the women's game was growing a lot in England. And there was all these, um, like, I guess, fine print and rules and restrictions that they were still trying to rewrite as the women's game was growing. So, you know, fortunately, but unfortunately for me, I got to be kind of used as a case study where I was eligible and then ineligible to play. And I found myself being really impacted by things that were out of my control. Uh, so I thought that I was in this place where I was like, I've reached it. I'm strong, like mentally strong, physically strong. I'm capable. I can get through anything. And then all of a sudden, my reason for playing, uh, my love for playing, it was like, okay, we're going to rein it back. This is out of your control. You can't do anything about it, but you just can't play right now. And I really struggled. And I think I realized that um, there was a lot of room for growth, but that change happens all the time. And that malleability is important. Like you have to be able to meet yourself where you're at. And I resisted that for a really long time. I really resisted that. And I struggled and I didn't know my purpose and this sport that was my stress reliever and my passion became a source of stress. And I didn't know can how I to ask you, it. Can I ask you about that? Like the resisting yeah. of where you are, is it because mm -hmm. it wasn't where you wanted to be. Talk about that, that gap a little bit or where that resistance came from that, that maybe yeah. some of the parents listening to this can be like, Oh, this makes sense in our kid. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that in my mind, I had a plan. I had this idea of how things were supposed to go and what was going to happen. And then that, that plan shifted and I thought that I was adaptable, but I realized that part of being an athlete, part of being, you know, mentally tough and resilient and adaptable is being able to adjust and be okay with it, not going according to plan and knowing that that, that can actually work out for the better. If we can trust that process and lean in and decide how we can grow from it. And for me in that change, I resisted because it wasn't the plan I thought 
that I wanted. And I think that that can happen, um, whether it's with the the team that you were selected for, right, with club or with high school, the college you want to go to or the division you want to play in, things might not go according to plan. But I think we we struggle when we think that there's only one right way to do things and one right way to grow and to progress. And then it doesn't go according to plan and we don't want to shift, right? We put our head down and we don't want to shift. And I think that's where the resistance comes in. And that's where it can be really limiting. Does that well, make sense? It does. It does. And it, and it, I'm thinking back, you know, of a lot of, you know, parents listening uh, to this and their kids, you know, have growing up with the expectations that they're going to play maybe division one mm-hmm. and they don't get a division one opportunity. It's division two, maybe, or three, mm-hmm. if they want to play. And that's a struggle for some athletes to wrap their head around from a, expectation different than reality at that moment, but also Mm -hmm. the identity piece that gets wrapped up in that of believing the identity and the worth is tied to X destination instead of where they are. Mm -hmm. Did you struggle with that in terms of your identity and, and just who you were as a person, not just a player? Yes. I struggled with that for um, quite a while during that process because I felt like I was almost pushed into retirement. And this is actually one of my first jobs out of grad school was helping athletes transition out of sport. And a lot of that talk was around identity because from a young age, especially if you're talented in your sport, you've got people who are reinforcing that constantly. You're so good. You're so great. You're such a great player. You know, even to this day, I notice when I get introduced, it's, oh, this is Ellie and she played soccer. And, and so you start to identify with that because that's where you get praise and recognition and you've poured so much of your time into it. Um, and that's really challenging because what I found out is when soccer wasn't a part of my life, cause I was kind of forced out of it for a while, I didn't really know who I was. And I think that's part of the, the resistance that came into it as I was like, okay, who am I outside of my sport? Why do I do what I do? And that's what helped me get realigned. If I'm being honest, is I had to tap into what my values were and my purpose behind it. Um, And once I got realigned with that, that helped me to stop resisting and start accepting that growth can and will happen from this. And it can be a blessing in disguise because part of my purpose, I believe, is to make an impact and empower others. And I can do that through sitting with that pain and that hurt and getting to empathize with other people who might be going through a similar journey, whether that's injury or just a different path or having a hard time with their, their team and their sporting experience and it not going the way that they wanted it to go. So I kind of had to realign with my values and decide who I was as a person, which is so much more than an athlete and so much more than a player. So I think that identity piece is, is huge. And the earlier you can recognize that and reinforce other areas of your life and your why, the the better off you are. Yeah. I, let me, I'm going to keep pulling at this because now I'm fascinated. Yeah. Uh, the, let's talk about that process of identifying those, those values and who you mm-hmm. are for maybe mom or dad listening to this, who they know their athlete is very tied to the identity of being an athlete and maybe Mm -hmm. a lot of times, even the outcome 
mm-hmm. because we know we know we can't control the outcome. And yes, wins are going to feel good and losses are going to suck, but there's a different level when your worth is tied to those things. Mm-hmm. And your worth is tied to who you are as an athlete. When you started that process of just identifying your values, what did that look like? Mm. I think um, in that process, I started to ask myself why. I think that asking yourself questions can be one of the greatest sources of discovery. And I started asking myself why. And that comes from observing where I was at, which is, you know, why do you feel the way that you feel? Why are you feeling resistance right now? So it was kind of diving into the emotions and the thoughts that I was having at that time, but then also going straight to the source, which is why, why was I playing? Why was that important to me to begin with? Why did I want to travel to play and challenge myself? Um, What are the things that I'm passionate about within that? And how have I grown and what has brought me the most joy in that process? So it was a lot of self-reflection and asking myself, the main question was why? And and asking it three or four or five times, right? Why do I feel this way? Okay, why? And then asking why after that, like diving into each one of those answers that comes to the surface. And that's actually something that I do with athletes now. So when I work with young athletes, I'll do that with both them and their parents. And I can talk you through that a little bit if you want, because I yeah. think it can be related. Yeah. Um, so it's like some finding goal alignment is essentially what it is. And so when I work with young athletes, I will have a conversation depending on kind of how the relationship is either with them separately, right? The athlete and then their yep. parents or together, <clears throat> but I'll encourage a lot of like in-depth conversation and thought. It's got to be really intentional and it's asking the same question to both of them, which is, okay, why is it that you, as a parent, why is it that you want your child to compete? Is it because you want them to grow as a person? You want them to develop life skills? You want them to reach their peak potential? You want them to get a scholarship? Why exactly is it that you would like them to compete? And then asking the athlete the same question, why is it that you would like to compete? Because oftentimes, that's something they haven't really thought about. They've just done it because they enjoyed it from a young age. And it's just what you do. You just keep going and they get reinforcement and their parents take them and expect them to play. So asking those questions, giving them kind of a a list of examples and they can kind of number it and prioritize it or write out their own. It's, It's really whatever they want to do. And then creating a space for them to have an open conversation around it and discover, hey, are these goals aligned? Is there some misalignment? If there is, how can we talk about it? And how can, for the parents, they support their child in that? And I think that process can, one, tap into the real reason why you're playing, but it can give some insight into values and why you do what you do, right? Because it's really transferable to other areas as well, I think. Let me ask you, as someone who on more than one occasion has been called a fixer, uh, The giving the space while still giving the support in this process. Yeah. What does that look like? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's, I've had to learn to be okay with silence. I used to be a space filler. I I still have a tendency. I naturally want to be right. So when there's a conversation taking place, if there are some 
quiet moments and there are some pauses, I want to fill those with words. I want to jump in, but actually I think those pauses are where the magic happens, right? It's the power of the pause. So it gives somebody time to collect their thoughts, to dive a little deeper, to reflect, to ask questions, to contribute. Like there's a lot that can happen in those spaces. And I think I have to, um, without judgment, without this need to fill the space, just sit and hold it um, and ask questions and listen and listen to understand and not listen to respond, right? Just try and and listen and follow them and walk along that journey with whatever they're talking about. Um, because I, we have this need to like, oh, I can contribute there. I have something to say that's really important. So we hold on to it and we, we got stopped in that journey while they kept going and now there's a disconnect. So I've learned to let go power of the pause and walk with them on that space. And then a lot of times it's just asking questions. It's like, okay, well, how, how do you feel about that? Why is that important to you? How do you think that plays out? What does that look like when it comes to behaviors and actions? Tell me more, right? It's it's really questions more so than answers because I think a lot of times we have those answers as in the parents and the, the child, we have those answers. We just need some time and a space to let them come out because we haven't allowed ourselves to have that space before. Well, and, and to your point on that as well, the importance of listening to understand versus listening to respond. Because especially mm-hmm. if we do have that answer, we want to give it versus understanding where they are and allowing them yeah. on the, the whole as well to process it and get mm-hmm. to that answer themselves versus us telling it to them. Because already as a parent, they've heard us say things a thousand times. They tune us in one ear and out the other a lot of chances. And so asking those questions allows them to come on that journey with us and get to that point that. We know they're working toward, but they feel more empowered when they've gotten there versus when they've been told it. Mm, Yeah, completely. And I think, I mean, you brought up a really good point and a thought that came up in my head, which is um, it's, it's empowering. I think for the athlete too, sometimes they feel like they don't have a voice or in parent and child dynamics. um, Those can be really complex. And I think when there's a neutral party there who's just holding a space, it gives uh, the child and the athlete a chance to like have their voice and have responsibility and a say in what they think in their future. Not that they don't have that, but I think it's just that space where people feel like they can step into that. And that's what I love about what I do is creating a space for someone to step into and realize that they have it all along. Like I'm providing maybe tools and tips in a space, but you are the one who's capable and you are the one who can build and refine those tools and use those tools. Like you're the one who gets to do that. I'm here just being like, hey, do you want to hear? I'm going to offer this up for you. Give it a try. You know, and I think that ability to empower someone, both the parent and the athlete in that conversation is pretty magical. Yeah. And and that's, you know, for the parents listening, that's really where that power comes in is asking the questions. And that's sometimes the hardest thing to do because what we want to do is give our kids the advice and direction of what's going to set them up for success, but it's the questions that they need the most because it forces them to think through it and challenge and grow. And, and Mm -hmm. honestly, if, as we think about it as adults, we're no different when we're coaching, when I'm coaching and executives, when I'm coaching leaders in corporate America, I can talk and teach them things 
but it's when you ask the questions that they start to connect the dots to where they are in that moment, mm-hmm. in that space. So super, super important to, to understand that. Right. Ellie, tell me a little bit about the work and coaching you're doing now. Who specifically do you do work with and, and focus on in terms of main areas? I know resilience is a big piece and, and just a piece of what you do, but kind of give me an idea of what your coaching practice looks like now. Yeah. So I... I'm doing a lot of different things, which is exactly what I want to be doing. I love it. Um, I am working with IMG Academy. So I get to work with athletes through the academy. And that's a sport academy in Florida, for those of you who don't know. But they do have an extension now called IMG Plus, which is fully virtual work. So um, I get to work with athletes virtually through IMG. And then I've got my own practice working with teams, clubs, and some individuals. And then beyond that, I get to do some executive work as well. So it's bringing that performance psychology into the corporate space, Jake, similar to what you're doing. And that's through a company called Limitless Minds. So I've been, that's fairly new for me. And again, it's like that stepping into the uncomfortable, stepping into the unknown and just trying to be as authentic as possible and um, be open to all that that experience has to offer. So it's been a very exciting ride the last year, two years, stepping into that corporate space. Yeah, that's uh, for those that have been fans and around the the Compete Everyday podcast, uh, you might have heard that name before because of our shared network with Colin Henderson and, and mm-hmm. Henna. Uh, prior, who was just on the show recently as well. And so I, I enjoy as a non-sports psychologist, just getting to geek out over these conversations that I'm fascinated by. Um, and in studying, obviously on my own right, I have zero desire to go back to school um, whatsoever. Uh, but I will spend all my time learning and studying and having conversations with really smart people like yourself uh, because of the work you're doing. And, and I love doing it in the business space and career-wise, um, but I really, sports are always the passion. And it was always the training ground for so much of life that I didn't understand at the time. But looking back on, you can connect those dots. And I know that's why the parents listen to the show is, yeah, they want their kid to be great at sports. They want their kid to have a, a lasting, fulfilling career. But it's really about the stuff that we learn playing the game, dealing with struggles, building that resilience that set us up for mm-hmm. life that really matter. Because that's kind of the grand scheme. Even if you're an incredible best player in the world, you'll finish your career and still have over half of it left most often. So how do you use that second half uh, well with what you learned in the first half. So Ellie, I know you have a webinar coming up on April 6th. We've got linked in the show notes uh, for parents to get signed up on. So be sure to do that, but give us a snapshot. What is the webinar about? What can we expect? Uh, and then confirming the date, it is April 6th, right? Yep. April 6th. It's fully virtual. It's 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, and that webinar is called college ready soccer edition. So this one's specifically about soccer, but if it goes well, we're hoping to cover some other sports in the future. And this is just giving young athletes and their parents and coaches a well-rounded insight into what that process looks like trying to play in college. So we've got college coaches from different divisions, current and former players, 
strength and conditioning coaches talking about how to prepare your body. I'm covering how to prepare your mind. And then we have a youth national team coach as well, just talking about how you can focus on your development and what to improve on um, to lead into playing in college, if that's something that you're interested in doing. So we're trying to cover all angles and it's got a live Q&A so you can get your questions answered then and there, which is, yeah, big for me. It's the support that I wish I would have had at a young age. That's what we're trying to provide. Absolutely love it. So we've got that linked in the show notes, parents, if you're listening, or if you know someone whose kid does play soccer, highly want to encourage you to let them know about it. Uh, we're also going to make this announcement over on the compete everyday podcast. So we can make sure we send as much people Ellie's way as possible. But Ellie, last thing I got for you, you, what is your favorite social media and where can parents or their athletes follow you just to learn more? Oh, my favorite social media to use or to follow. Yeah. To use. to use. Give us what's your favorite account to follow too. Let's. Oh, okay. Love it. Um, so I'm probably on Instagram the most and LinkedIn. Uh, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's rise over run, but there's a period in between the over and the rise run. over so rise dot over run. dot run. <laughs> so give me, yes. give me the background on that. Yeah. So I, to be honest, I wish I had like a super cool story about it, but it's just the whole idea that to continue progressing forward, it's just 1% better every day. It's little by little and the process is not linear. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was something I was like, Hey, I resonate with this. Let's go for it. Rise over run. Um, but my favorite account to follow, I will say I, besides yours, because I'm a big fan of yours. I think I share your quotes all the time more than I, uh, probably is healthy, but it's fine. It's because I love it. Um, I really like fearless fast pitch. So she covers the softball space, Dan Abrams. I like him as well. Those are probably two of my favorites. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And Amanda was on the show last week. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are back to back. She's episode 33. You're episode 34. There you go. There (laughs) you go. Well, Ellie, this has been an absolute blast. I appreciate you making time to come on the show this week and just share a little bit with our parents and looking forward to getting all these folks signed up and into your webinar that's happening in a few weeks. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Raising Competitors podcast brought to you by Compete Every Day. To learn more about the show, listen to past episodes, or get connected with our team, visit RaisingCompetitors.com. We'll see you next episode.